sprinkle and add a little sauce. You want my time, but it costs. I'm in the loft. Watch how you speak to a boss. What made you think you could floss? Don't be depressing. Preaching, I feel like a reverend. Hold up, I got me a question. Are you an asset to an investment or a distraction? What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? This is episode eight of the One Other Percent podcast. I'm your host, Miles G. Today, we have an exclusive episode with M. Big. He was featured on HBO Max's Generational Hustle, The Party Is Over, episode 10, and served 36 months in prison for wire fraud and money laundering. He defrauded investors out of $500,000. At the age of 19, he became the owner of Tuxedo Junction, a music venue where he hosted concerts and parties. Today's episode is part one of the Other Side of Business series. We will have different guests on to talk about their experiences in the business, and we want the listeners to know that an ethical business and an unethical business usually comes down to a single decision, and once that line is crossed, it's hard to go back. And as publicly stated, what he did was wrong, and he has served time for it. If you have not seen the documentary, I advise you to check it out. It's a good watch. But without further ado, let's get the end. And Big, thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for the time. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on. Man, let's just start back. Um, as I said, the documentary was very interesting. Um, it was a good story to tell and um learned a lot about it. Can you tell us about I guess your background? I know your dad was in the um ran his own catering business. Um how did you how did you become to be the owner of Tuxedo Junction at such a young age? So um, I mean I was always in the like entertainment industry from a very young age, from the time I was in middle school. Uh, my dad owned a catering company. Um, and I was immersed into that, and before I knew it, I was throwing parties, you know, at my house, um, and I was renting out, like, local little venues, and that turned into me renting out this club called Tuxedo Junction in Danbury, Connecticut, um, and, you know, from there, that escalated into me wanting to throw large concerts, so I kind of hopped around to, like, these arena-sized shows with right. artists like Big Sean, Tyga, um, Chief Keef, artists like that. Um, lost a ton of money doing that. Right. And then I ended up, um, you know, kind of going back to my roots. I had early success as a team promoter at Tuxedo's and the opportunity presented itself to take over, um, Tuxedo's. Nice, nice. Okay, nice. Talk about how did the whole HBO special come about? And did you know that HBO wasn't going to be biased about your story? So, um, I mean, I, I just got out of prison in January 2019 and we were kind of like shopping my story around. And there was like a lot of no's, not a lot of people interested because there wasn't any relevant press. Um, and right. in the fall of 2019, uh, I got this Facebook inbox from, uh, this girl who was like an intern or working for, uh, at Jigsaw Productions and HBO Max. And she's like, Hey, we're doing a series. Are you interested? And, you know, I thought it was bullshit at first, but <laughs> I talked to her and then, you know, we spoke. I told her like my story over the course of a couple hours and then. She moved me up the ladder to uh, this other producer who did, like, the Firefest show yeah. and all this stuff. And then, um, you know, I, things went dark for a couple months. And then in March, like, right before the pandemic really hit, I get a call saying, we're greenlighting your episode. Nice. Um, nice. I had, met, I had met with the director and everything, and he kind of, like, he was really intrigued by my story. And I knew they would put a fair spin on it. Uh, because they kind of understood my perspective, um, and and they they were the first people to really get the whole story, as opposed to like the local news, right. who never understood the timeline, always bashed it, and uh, you know I think they did a really nice job with the with the story. Right, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, the local news—that's not their job. Well, it is their job to get the story, but they're like all for headlines, right? However, you sound the worst. That's what they're gonna put out for people yeah, to look forward to. Terrible it. reporting. <laughs> 
Uh, so with, with you being on generational hustle and I'm serious about true crime fraud. Um, and like I said, some of you guys, you got, you got deals, you got like, you got a special, some, I think one girl's, um, got something with Netflix. Um, yeah, yeah. This, um, I mean, this stuff isn't novel. Like you guys aren't the first ones, but do you think stuff like this, like for the youth, it gives the message, like if you do anything, you can do anything you want and basically still come out on top or do you look at it a different way? I mean, I think anything you kind of really do, if, if the story is interesting, whether you do things the right way or the wrong way, you know, if, if there's always people that are going to find it interesting. Right. Um, and, and, you know, want to develop into something. There's plenty of successful people done it the wrong way stories. And to kind of balance that, there's plenty of, you know, people did it the bad way stories. And, and people like that, you know, that thrill of it, that Wolf of Wall Street type stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I, I think it really comes down to, you know, people um uh, looking at like the bigger picture of it um and seeing kind of like the silver lining and seeing like what that person that went through all that took away from it or what the learning lesson is um from the whole thing and i think you really get that from my story yeah nah you definitely do you definitely do it's a few things i don't get like i guess why did your friends tell on you because i don't see if you go to jail or if i tell anybody i'm never going to get that money you know or that prolongs that money so what like i never got that part like they said they tell on you like what was the benefit for them you know i don't i don't really blame them for telling on them i mean for telling on me because you know i wasn't really giving them an honest answer right i think had i came to them and said listen guys this is what happened yada yada so i think they went to the police you know looking for answers okay um, and then right away the police put in their head oh don't worry you know you keep talking you'll get your money back you know he's probably hiding it this and that <laughs> which it turns out not to be the case but that's how they get all these people involved um so i don't you know i don't necessarily blame them i think if i went things about things differently um, it, it wouldn't have uh, came into that, right? Um, but I, you know, I do hold it against the guys that that did end up, you know, telling on me uh, when I was running the club because you know we're good friends and that's you don't do that. That's a bullshit. I'll be going out of state to the casino, but you know it all worked out the way it was supposed to. It, it's a good story now. Um, a lot of good lessons came out of it. Nah, for sure. Hold on, you said you were going out of state. What? Um, so you were going out? You were going out of state to gamble, like try to make more money. Yeah, so, like, uh, towards the end of Tuxedo, I literally had, like, no investments or a- anything coming in. Um, and, and the thing was that um, I was using the money from the business to to pay off previous debt. Right. Which is why Tuxedo's was, like, always, like, in a negative cash flow. Yeah. So, um, I was going to uh, Yonkers in New York, which is the state over. Yeah. Because um, I wasn't 21 at the time, so I couldn't go to the casino in Connecticut. And uh, I was turning like 500 into 20 grand on the backrack table. Wow. Uh, and a friend that worked at the club with me, he um, um, he was like my driver because my license was suspended. And him and my other friend ended up telling on me because they want to try to uh, take over the club. Wow. It ends up, up backfiring on him, but um, that's how that all came about. Okay. 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 That makes sense now. Wow. Okay. So you, um, you mentioned Jordan Belford, the Wolf of Wall Street. I know, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with him. Um, and you under, I don't know you understand the college scandal with, uh, Rick Singer, Felicity Huffman, that whole thing. Now, Rick Singer hasn't done time yet. He hasn't been prosecuted, but now you did more time than them. You did 36 months. 
So what I'm confused about with most podcasts, right? Most people they have a lot of lavish things. So like with Jordan Belford, he had the nice houses, the helicopters, the, the everything. You know what I'm saying? The, the works, the jewelry, all that stuff. Everybody does, right? From your story, all you had was two jet skis. So you didn't have like a real like like a big money trail. Like you were just buying stuff. Like you were just splurging. Did you think you were gonna do jail time? Because like you got charged with uh, money laundering and um, what is it, wire fraud? Did you ever, at one point in your life, did you think, like, I'm going to go to jail? <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I didn't think I was going to do jail time. I figured I'd get a house arrest or probation. Right. Maybe worst case, a year. But, I mean, where I went wrong with that is I really upset the judge coming out of state flaunting the court's orders. Right. So, okay. Okay. You know, okay. That, that was my own doing. I mean, also, at the same time, I didn't cooperate with them. So that's part of it. But I did go to trial and, and you know, lost some counts. And I still got less time than most people. So everything's really a case-by-case case right. basis. Right, You know, you look at Jordan Belfort, he did um, told on a lot of people. True, um, true. That Rick Singer told on a lot of people. So it's really, you know, it's a case-by-case case that everyone's different. You can't compare one to the other. That's true, that's true. How was the trial, like the cross-examination? Like, you're a young kid going through that. What, what was that experience like? It was really interesting. It was like basically like a show. The prosecutor was getting very upset because <laughs> it was like we were telling stories on the stand. And, you know, it was just a whole different environment that, you know, the federal government was not used to. They're, they're treating me like this grown adult. But at the same time, you know, it's a bunch of kids testifying, high school kids. You would have thought it was like a high school reunion. <laughs> um, you know, like the U.S. Attorney's Office, everyone in their office came to watch it. The head U.S. Attorney for Connecticut came. There was a lot of attention, a lot of money spent on it. Um, and then also at the same time, the, uh, the Yale, uh, Yale College, all their law students are coming to watch my testimony too. Oh, wow. Just a fascinating case. Like a case study. Okay. Well, it was a case study. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's different. So, I mean, in the documentary, you say that the IRS, the, our detective, comes up to you after you got arrested and, and says, um, "Hey, Andy, do you remember? Do you remember me? Did she? Did that really happen?" Oh no, it really happened. This guy had started the investigation, wow. um, drove it all the way up, um, and. He was literally like the guy, the, the cop from Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And they had me waiting outside in the cold for like 10 minutes for this guy to come to my house because he wasn't there yet, uh, just so he could say that. That 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 is crazy. I really thought you were just embellishing it for the story. Yeah, uh, it's wild. Oh, <laughs> uh, so what did you do when you were in jail? What did you do to pass the time? And uh, well, did you learn anything new? Uh, I did a lot of reading, definitely a lot of reading, um, a lot of books. What, what, what's uh, I mean, some of your favorite books? I read all Jordan Belfort's books. I, I read a lot of like fiction. Um, what's that guy? Uh, James uh, or whatever. Uh, I forgot that writes all the fiction books. And also, you know, there's like cell phones and this and that. So you yeah. know, dabbled a little bit and all that. And then you know, I spent a lot of time working out. I've lost over 100 pounds in prison. Uh, I was running. I was playing sports. So okay, okay. You know, it was, it was good. It was, it was a good, much-needed break. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's a way to look at it. It's, um, since you mentioned Jordan Belford again, it's funny, um, I recently found out that basically he's suing the studio that made Wolf of Wall Street, right? So basically they got it funded, um, illegally. And so he got, yeah. win- he got wind of it. And now he's suing him for, it's something crazy, like a hundred million. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if yeah. he, I don't know if he'll get it, but this is kind of funny with everything he's done, he's done. Yeah, uh, yeah, the guy's a character, that's for sure. <laughs> so when you were getting all this amount of, these amounts of money, um, cause I guess from the documentary, he was saying that at one time you had a, over 500,000 or something close to that. Yeah. 
Did you ever think about, well, I mean, you're young. Did you ever think about investing, um, I guess, in anything, real estate or um, trying to go to the bank to probably, like, leverage a loan? You know, now that I have the, uh, the ability of hindsight, you know, that's all I think about now. I'm like, wow, I could have you know, got a loan, paid everyone back, took that loan money, put it into something. But my, one, no one was really advising me on that. Right. And two, I was just so passionate about the concerts, I thought that was going to be the successful way. Um, but I should have gotten into real estate. I would have had assets. Everything could have been avoidable. You know, I could have done a lot of stuff. And, yeah, uh, I was just yeah. very gun out on, on what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the whole business of, of concerts and, and throwing shows? Because I've thrown shows, invested in shows, and it's really harder than it looks, right? It's even harder to break even. So I tell people, just knowing what we know now is the person that really wins is somebody that owns the building, like owns the land. Because they're renting it out to people on certain days, and it's yeah. it's 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 really hard because you're throwing a show on a certain day again. You have so many factors whether are people going to come, um, and you're throwing you're throwing shows. You can't even charge liquor at that time. Maybe you're selling drinks and stuff, but that's how you really like make up for stuff, get a percentage of the bar. Who do you think really like wins in that in, in that in that business? Like as I said, it's, it's a very hard business, it's a high risk business. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's very tough, man. Um, I think ultimately the artists always win. They, they never lose. Right. The artists, the right. agencies, uh, the production companies, any vendor that's, you know, always getting paid uh, are the winners. Right. Um, even as a club owner, you know, people that are just, they're not booking the shows, you know, or depend on promoters, you know, they can win sometimes. But then you look at COVID and that, that wiped everything out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, definitely like the college arenas are winning. Um, and any club that isn't risking their own money for an artist, um, and is getting then a rental fee from, say, a promoter and the bar sales, definitely winning too. Yeah. But there's so, there's so much overhead. There's a lot to it. It's a really tough business to be in. Exactly. Exactly. So what are some of your future plans? Do you plan on, um, getting back into the arena or, um, do you want to write a book or maybe do a spinoff to, uh, to the documentary? You know, I'm thinking about the, the book stuff right now, kind of seeing uh, which angle to go down, maybe dabble in a little public speaking, depending on how, like, you know, how the podcast go and see who kind of picks it up. Um, and then we're definitely pushing forward doing, like, a spinoff TV series, like a standalone. We definitely believe that the content's there for it. There's just so much that happened over a period of time. And um, also, um, you know, I could, we could definitely see it like a seven or eight episode miniseries uh just exclusively about me definitely you don't you don't think they can make a movie i'm gonna I see it because like i see it being a lot of humor in this like uh i kind of think of it like super bad but not in that way like that kind of that kind of like comedy but then it's also serious and you're doing things or even war dogs i don't know if you've seen war dogs uh um, yeah 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 you gotta check that out that that can go that was a real a real story basically got government contracts and um, fought it, uh, or scammed the government out of so many millions, but, um, I mean, it definitely can be a movie, I would think. Yep, a lot of questions people have that could be answered. I, I feel like a, a movie might not be long enough, though. It might be a series, but okay. we'll see where it goes. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay. I guess your friends that invested with you and everything, are you still in contact with them? How's that relationship going? You know, I haven't really talked to a lot of them, and I, actually, the thing is, a lot of the kids that invested didn't really end up losing money. They, if anything, they lost imaginary money. The entrance, uh, right? The kid, okay. Yeah, the kids, the kids were in it so early on, and they had made money. So any any money that they had put back in and then lost was, you know, profits. Right. Um. So none of these kids are, you know, like hurting. 
Um, if anything, the parents are the ones that lost money. Okay. Um, okay. But not there, there's not kids that are that are necessarily out money. You know, a lot of kids that kind of stay neutral. Um, some kids even made money walk away making a lot of money. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Since you've been out, how's the energy been? I guess around um around your hometown because, like I said, you you're pretty big throwing um events. Um, in your city, and then you go to jail, and you come out, and like you're infamous now. You know what I mean? So you're like kind of bigger. Do you, is there a lot of jealousy, hate, or how, how's the energy around you? Um, I mean, people are hating up until probably what uh, the day the trailer came out. Um, <laughs> okay. Because they're going off of the news times. I mean, the news times posted a whole article too, talking about you know this is going to be an HBO series, this and that. Dan Amanda plotted all this money. Uh, but they never got the story right, and a lot of people that talk shit over the years, based on those News Times articles, have kind of like you know, a lot of people reached out saying, um, you know, really interesting point of view. Uh, they're glad it came out. It definitely cleared the air. I don't see any negative reviews. Maybe there's a couple of haters. There's always going to be haters. Always, yeah, just always, yeah. It being, you know, there's the people who are like, why is this even being turned into a, a documentary? <laughs> or why is HBO glamorizing this? Yeah. Um, but other than that. You know, I think it definitely changed everyone's opinion. And even people that are still secretly hating, I think there's a part of them that realizes, like, that they're wrong or there's not really a reason to eat on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. What do you think about cryptocurrency? With everything going on now, you got, um, I guess it wasn't, it was, I guess it was out then when, um, when you had this going on, but it wasn't as popularized. Uh, what, what, what are your, what is your opinion about it? You know, I never really got, um, got into it. Um, I got an offer back in 2013 uh, to buy Bitcoin. This kid was telling me, you know, buy Bitcoin. It was like 300 bucks at the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I literally had 10 grand. Um, and he said, dude, put it in this. But, you know, I was, the thing is, whenever you're like that much money in debt, you're always going to cash it out as soon as you make some money. Of course, of course. So, yeah. It's not like I would have ever have kept it. I would have had to have lost the password and try to figure it out years down the line, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. But no one knew what Bitcoin was or anything like that. Exactly. Um, exactly. Okay. So, yeah, but in regards to crypto now, I kind of just watch and that's interesting to watch. Yeah. I think it's the future of money. Like I said, it still has a, a long way to, to go. Do you do you invest in anything right now, like stocks or anything? Do you have any like favorite companies that you look at? Uh, I've definitely looked at Tesla and um, Virgin Galactic Space. I've, I've, yeah. I've been interested in. And then, you know, like the whole um, GameStop craze. Okay. Did you, did you get in on the whole GameStop? Uh, I was in it for a little bit, you know, up and down and stuff. But I'm not really a stock guy. It's not really interesting. Okay. Okay. What are, what are some of your favorite books and movies? Of course, you know, I used to love reading like Larry Wingate, really good motivational speaker. Okay. Um, movie wise, you know, I love that movie Never Back Down, like any kind of like uh, yeah. boxing movie or yeah. anything that has like a motivational arc to it. Okay. Um, where the underdog comes back or a comeback or anything like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, and um, like I said, I appreciate you coming on, man. That was really uh, you told us a lot and added in some details about the documentary. I know it's gonna be interesting to see what you do next. Oh, I guess we we talked about it um off air. So you're currently working at Whole Foods now, right? Yeah. How how do you like how do you like that job? I love it, man. You know they've treated me good. They definitely um reward like hard workers, and uh, they appreciate a hard worker and loyalty and stuff. Um, so you know I just I put my all into it, and, and I'm growing very quickly there, and it kind of gives me like guided direction. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been working there? Uh, two years now. Two years. Wow. And you're assistant manager, right? Yep. yep. Oh, nice, nice. So what um 
I guess, could you give any advice uh, to the young listeners or just anybody listening from your experience? I would say, you know, definitely get advice. Never be afraid to ask questions. There's always room to learn. Even when you think you know it, it's always good to um, double check. You know, always call, uh, consult an attorney. Um, right. And, you know, definitely go with like what your gut um, tells you and always like really invest in yourself. Don't take the easy way, kind of like what I did to invest in other people. Um, if something's working for you, if you, if you believe in something, you kind of just got to follow it and, and roll with it. Um, and definitely, you know, be very hesitant to chase, uh, you know, likes on social media or to try to be popular, uh, because it could have devastating consequences when you go down that path. Right, right, right. No, that's, that's good. Where can, uh, where can everybody find you at? Uh, my social media, Instagram's at Ian underscore Vic. Uh, Twitter's the same. Uh, Facebook, Ian Vic. Um, and then my website's ianvic.com. Time with no leverage, I was taking time with my debit, I was taking time with my message, now I'm reaping all of the credit, credit petty, I'm watching Malcolm and Eddie, I'm gonna need some confetti, yes I'm a champ, all of these rings feeling heavy, rock on my head, you can't check me.